0: Let's read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1 through 10, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the women arrived at the tomb where Jesus was buried, uh, Matthew chapter 28 tells us that when they got to the tomb, they met an angel. And this angel proclaimed the message of Easter to these women. He told them that Jesus had risen from the dead. But if you look at the angel's words, you'll notice that in addition to proclaiming the message of the resurrection to, to the women, the angel also, he gave them some instructions. He told them what to do and, and how to respond to this message of, of the resurrection. And that's what I want to focus on today. I'd like to look at three words of instruction that the angel gave to these women. So what, what were the women told to do? Well, one thing you'll notice, um, uh, verse 6 says that they were told this, Come and see. Let, let me start the middle of verse 5. The angel said to them, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see. That's what they're told to do. Now, by, by inviting the women to do this, to come and see, to inspect the, the empty tomb, the angel was essentially doing for them what the New Testament does for us. He, the angel was encouraging them to investigate the evidence for the resurrection of Christ, which is exactly what, what we are invited to do. You see, the, the gospel message is a message that is received by faith, but it's not received by blind faith. The, the New Testament uh, makes a claim, a historical claim, that Jesus rose from the dead, and it invites us openly to examine the historical evidence that that claim is true. Well, you say, what, what kind of historical evidence is there? Well, here, here's a few examples just from this passage alone. You'll notice in this passage that the women here are identified by name. Matthew doesn't just say two women. He tells us who they were. Verse 1, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Now, the reason this is, is important is because in the ancient world, the way that historians would provide evidence that a that claim that they were, were, were making was true, was verifiably true, um, was by listing the names of the eyewitnesses. They didn't have footnotes, they didn't have bibliographies. Naming the ey- eyewitnesses was a way of just identifying their sources uh, with the knowledge that people could go interview these, these witnesses to, just to be sure that the story was true. You, for example, you see the Apostle Paul do this in 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, he refers to hundreds of people who saw Jesus alive after he had been killed, some of whom he identifies by name. And then he says this. He says, most of these people are still living. The reason he says that, he just wants his readers to know that, that to verify that what he's saying is true, he can go find these living witnesses and interview them about what they saw. And that's essentially what Matthew does here. He identifies these eyewitnesses by name, so that's one form of evidence, historically. You'll also notice that, that uh, the eyewitnesses that Matthew names, he tells us, they are both women. In fact, all four Gospels tell us that the first people to, to, to witness the resurrection of Christ were women. Now, why does that matter? Well, in the ancient world, women were not considered to be reliable witnesses. Nobody took them seriously. They were not allowed to testify in a, in a court of law. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that times have changed, that we, women are not viewed that way anymore. I hope you're glad about that too. But that's the way they were viewed in the ancient world. And, and what this means, by the, the fact that all four Gospels tell us the first people to witness the empty tomb were women, it just means that it's very unlikely that the resurrection story was merely a lie that was concocted by early Christians. I mean, if if they were making up a lie, they they wouldn't deliberately choose as their primary witnesses um, individuals that they knew nobody would believe. So, why did they always tell us that the first people to see the resurrected Jesus were women? I'll tell you why. Because this is what happened. So th- this is the kind of evidence you'll see in Scripture. You see it here in Matthew 28. The eyewitnesses are named. The eyewitnesses are women. One, one more significant thing you'll notice here. In verse 9, Matthew tells us that these women worshipped Jesus. It says, Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clas- clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Now, th- th- this is very significant. One, one thing that... All historians agree on. Christian historians, non-Christian historians, religious historians, atheist historians, they all agree that for some reason in the first century a movement started based in the city of Jerusalem in, in, in ancient Israel in which the, in this movement thousands and thousands of Jewish men and women for some reason started worshiping a man from a small town called Nazareth, a, a, a man named Jesus. Now, here's the reason this is astonishing. Um, Jewish people, first-century Jews especially, were fiercely monotheistic. They they would die rather than worship anyone or anything other than Yahweh, the God of Abraham. And, and yet, thousands of Jewish men and women just instantly start worshiping, praying to, praising a man named Jesus. That happened. Now, how do, how do you explain why that happened? Well, Here's what these these men and women told us themselves. They told us that the reason they began to praise and pray to and worship Jesus as the divine Lord of the earth, they said, because we saw him alive after we saw him dead. In Romans 1 verse 4, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, through the spirit of holiness, Jesus was appointed or named to be the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead. They began to view Jesus as the Son of God because He was risen. So, historians for years have asked this question. Why in in the world would thousands of devout Jews suddenly start worshiping a human being? Why would they do this unless they were convinced He rose from the dead? So this is the kind of historical evidence you'll find it in Scripture. You see some of it here in Matthew 28. There's a lot more that you can study. And listen, just as the angel said to the women, Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. God says that to you and to me. And, and if, if, you're not, if you're not sure you believe the, the gospel, the, the message of Christ, you know, very lovingly, the, the, the same invitation that the angel gave to those women, God is giving to you today. He's just inviting you. Won't you come, please, with an open mind, with a prayerful heart, and, and investigate the evidence that Jesus is alive. So, one word of instruction. The women receive is, come and see. Another word of instruction is, go and tell. Come and see, go and tell. Uh, verse 6, the angel says to them, he's not here, he's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then in verse 7, he says, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the, the, the women were told to go and spread the word. And listen, that's what you want to do when you have good news, right? You have good news, don't you want to share it? I mean, let's imagine, imagine that a week ago, a scientist somewhere in the world had had discovered a cure for the coronavirus, but she hasn't told anyone yet because, you know, she hasn't gotten around to it. That would, that would just be ridiculous. If you had news like that, you would share it. If you have good news, you want the world to know. And would you agree with me, believers, that... There is no news, no news that's better than the news that we have to share about Jesus. What? The good news of Christ. You know what the good news is? The good news is this God loves this sinful world so much that, that He sent His Son to be our Savior. Jesus died on the cross to atone for sin, He rose from the grave to conquer death. And He right now offers life, real life, abundant life, eternal life, to anyone and everyone who will simply come to Him and trust Him as their Lord. That, listen, that's good news. And if, if you've never heard that news before or it's never become real to you yet, I, I want you to hear that news today. I want you to hear this. God loves you and He is offering you forgiveness of sin, newness of life, eternal life, in his son. This is offered to you today, and God wants you to receive this. That's that's the news. And if you've if you have heard this news before, I'm trusting many of you have. Listen, let me ask you, Christian, wouldn't it be wonderful if you had the chance to go and tell someone this today? I mean, if God were to give you a chance to share with someone today about this good news about Christ, wouldn't that be wonderful? So this is, these are sort of the implications of, of the Easter message. These are, these are what these women are told to do because of the fact that Christ is alive. The, the angel says, come and see, go and tell. And then there's one more word of instruction. And th- this is actually the first word of instruction they receive. I put it at the end because I want, I want us to think about this. In verse 5, this is what the angel told them. Do not be afraid verse 5 the angel said to the women do not be afraid i know that you're looking for jesus who was crucified he's not here he has risen so the angel says to the women do not be afraid he has risen now it seems to me that what the angel says it, it's a little bit strange i mean why well let me ask this what is it that these women were afraid of well they were afraid of the angel you know, we don't know a lot about this, this angelic being, but there's apparently there's something about this angel's appearance that just struck terror into the hearts of people who saw him. Verse 3 says his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Verse 4, four says that when the guards who had been sent there to protect the tomb, when they saw him, it says they were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. So this, this angel apparently was a terrifying being to behold. And yet notice... The angel does not say, don't be afraid, I'm not going to hurt you. Or, don't be afraid, I'm merely a figment of your imagination. Or, don't be afraid, I'm a nice angel. He doesn't say that. He says, don't be afraid, Jesus is risen. Now, why why do I think that's unusual? Well, the angel, would, would you agree, the angel was the cause of their fear? And, and the reason they were told that they didn't need to be afraid was not because the cause of their fear had been eliminated. I mean, the angel was still there. He was still terrifying. He, he was that The cause of their fear was, was still present, just like it had been before. So the reason they were not to fear was not because the cause of their fear had been eliminated. The reason they were told not to fear was because even though the cause of their fear was still right there in front of them, their Savior was alive. Jesus was risen. And You know, it's the same with us. Um, okay, let's say I am going in to have a biopsy. God doesn't come to me and say, David, don't be afraid. I'm promising you, you don't have cancer. God doesn't make that promise. God says, listen, David, don't be afraid, even if you are very, very sick. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. Or, or another example, let's say that, that uh, at your workplace, they're laying people off, all right? God doesn't come to you, Christian, and say, do not be afraid. I promise you won't lose your job. No, you might lose your job. God doesn't say that. What God says is, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because no matter what happens, Jesus is risen. Or let's say, Christian parent, that you're very concerned about your teenager, she's She's moody, she's aloof, her her grades are falling, she seems to be running around with some new crowd that she doesn't want you to know about. Listen, God doesn't say to you as a a parent, do not be afraid, I would never let a child of yours slip into rebellion. God doesn't say that. He says to you, Christian parent, do not be afraid. Your Savior is risen. Your your Savior is risen, and your Savior is the shepherd who, listen, who never, ever stops seeking after wandering sheep. So so the message is, don't be afraid. He's risen. Not, not don't be afraid because all the causes of fear, all the terrifying angels have been removed from the world. No, they're still there. They're, They're still there. But don't be afraid, Christian, because Jesus is alive. Now, someone might ask, and this is a good question, why? Why does the fact that Jesus is alive mean that we don't need to be afraid? Well, let me tell you two two things. First, for, for the believer, the resurrection of Christ guarantees two things for us. First, the resurrection of Christ guarantees that our sins are forgiven and we have peace with God. We have the favor of God. Romans 4 verse 25 says this interesting thing about the resurrection. It says this, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And what that means is that when, when, when the Father raised the Son from, from, the, from the grave, this was the Father's way of verifying that the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross had fully satisfied all the demands of God's justice with regard to our sins. In other words, when 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 God raised Jesus, it was God's way of saying, "Debt is paid in full, believer. Your sins are gone." Listen to know that your sins are gone. That there's nothing at all that stands between you and the Father. That you that you enjoy the Father's everlasting favor. That gives to Christians a confidence to face life without fear. Why? Because it says it in Romans 8, If God is for us, mm, who can be against us? Right? So, the resurrection guarantees that our sins are forgiven. It also guarantees this. Death won't stop us. Right? We will live forever. Romans 8 verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. For 1 Corinthians 15 says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ... All will be made alive. All who are in Christ will be made alive. So, so for, for the believer, the fact that Christ is risen, it doesn't mean all causes of fear are removed from the world. Nothing bad will ever happen. No, it doesn't mean that. It means our sins are forgiven. We have the favor of Almighty God. It means our future is secure, uh, life eternal with God. And, and what that tells us is, listen, no matter what happens... No matter what happens, we have no reason to fear. Come and see. Come and see. The the tomb is empty. Go and tell. Let the world know about it. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus is alive. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the message of Easter. We have heard it perhaps many times before. But we pray that again today your spirit would make it powerful for us. That that you would would, uh, take your word and convince us of of the truth of Jesus Christ and and, and create faith and, and increase faith in our hearts in him. And fill us with the courage to live for him, to trust in him, for the glory of his name. Amen.